welcome to our Deeper Secrets Revealed podcast with Sarah Finlay. Have you ever had a question for the opposite sex in which you seek to be answered authentically? On this podcast, that is exactly what we do. I discuss intimate topics with guests as they share their point of view about dating, sex and relationships. We are raw and authentic to reveal the essence of how the opposite sex feels about today's topic we are exploring. If you have a question, please feel free to write to us and ask. It just might inspire our next episode and get answered. Thanks for joining me today. Now let's dive in deep to today's topic. Welcome to our Deeper Secrets Revealed podcast. I'm Sarah Finlay and thank you so much for listening. In today's episode, we'll be discussing personal growth steps before your next relationship. I recently read an article Julian Tarecki wrote for Mind Body Green about this, and that is what has inspired this episode as I couldn't agree more. Julian Tarecki is a relationship expert, yoga teacher, and public speaker. For 18 years, she has been studying the art and science of fulfillment. Under the masterful guidance of Anthony Robbins, Julian is certified by the Robbins Madain Centre for Strategic Intervention Coaching, known for employing innovative strategic solutions to the most pervasive difficult problems. Julian is expertly trained in working with individuals, couples and families and is sought out for her compassionate, direct and authentic style of coaching and teaching. She helps people generate better emotional and physical energy to be able to show up 100% for themselves and their loved ones. She says what she knows with complete certainty, there is no pain like relationship pain. She cares about teaching others how to be proactive in their lives and relationships so they can create the fulfillment they need and deserve. Today, she is here to help us understand the importance of growth steps we need to do before our next relationship so we can enter into a new relationship and give it the best chance it has to not only survive, but thrive. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So being single is a golden opportunity for personal growth. Can you explain why this is the case? Oh, yes. This is one of my favorite topics because I think that um, especially as women, men get this too, but more so women, we've been so really conditioned by society to believe that if we're single, we're less than, especially if we're of a certain age. So if we're like above the age of 30 and we're single, something must be wrong. And I really have come to believe that nothing could be farther from the truth. I think being single is wonderful. I think being in a relationship is wonderful. The opportunity that you have when you're single is to really work on yourself. I mean, you have to work on yourself regardless. And when you're in a relationship, it's like the mirror is like right at you. You got to work on yourself constantly. But the opportunity of being single is really taking time, time Mm -hmm. to focus, time to ground, time to reach, time to contribute, time to develop oneself, time to let go, whatever it is that you need to work on. That's what single life gives you. And also you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. (laughs) Yes, you can. I love it. Do you think that it throws it maybe in your face a little bit more if you are single for some people like that, that need for growth or why is it such a golden opportunity when you're single? Because I think that my concern is this. I don't want people who are single to be focusing so much on the fact that they're single and that things wrong with that. And so it's not like you're single, so you must grow. I mean, I really think that people need to grow. I think growth is 
growth equals happiness. So the more that you're working on your own growth as a human being and whatever, and everyone's growth is different. I, I really believe that that's what makes you happy. And I think that when you're single and you want to be in a relationship, your happiness and finding the ways that make you feel content and joy is very, very important because you can't go into a relationship thinking I'm going to be fed a hundred percent by this relationship only. You have to be able to do that on your own. And when you're single, you can take the time to do that. Yes. I once advised someone very close to me as well, that you have to do the work yourself and have the fulfillment in yourself because the sort of person that you're wanting to attract, the person you're being now, you're probably not going to attract. Like you've got to bring your vibe sort of up and and the way that you see life because some those positive mindset people that you might really want to be with like attracted to might not want to be with someone that's maybe in the victim sort of hood mode because it's not a really good match so sometimes I that was motivation for this particular person like to lift yourself up would do the work so then you're on the same sort of level in the sense of mindset right and I think that's great advice I like to flip it a little bit yeah because I like to flip it that when you sure it's about what you, who, who you're going to attract, yeah. but I like to look at it as who you're attracted to. So when you kind of raise your energy up, you are going to be attracted to a different kind of person as well. Yeah. Because you're going to be more in touch with who you are and what you love and what brings you joy and what brings you sadness. You're just going to know yourself more. And I think that it, when you know yourself more and you do raise energy up and you are sort of like, I hate to use the word positive, but you are at least on the road of towards trying to include more positive emotion in your life than not. You're going to be drawn to a different kind of person. So it's not just about who you magnetize to you, but who you are actually magnetized to. And that changes it as well. And I like to help people look at it that way. Yeah, Yeah. it's beautiful. What is the danger in jumping into a new relationship before you've used the time to be single for personal growth or personal healing? Maybe you've had a really bad breakup and there's a lot of pain there. So why is it so dangerous to maybe quickly jump into another relationship within maybe a couple of months or something like that? Well, first thing that I will say is that I'm not really a rules girl. I, I'm, I'm quite the opposite. I like to break the rules. So I don't like to say anything too dogmatically, like, you know, you have to have a certain amount of time between your last relationship and your new relationship. I really look at things at a case by case basis. I mean, there, I know people who've been in like 15 year long relationships where the last seven years they were living pretty much separate lives. And when they finally ended it, two months later, they found the love of their life. I don't think that's a problem, you know? Okay. So when I think it's a good time to take, I'll just address when I think it's a good time to take space, like let some empty space between (laughs) your last breakup and your new relationship. I think that if you got out of something that was particularly painful and confusing, that it behooves you to take the time to figure out why why was it so painful? And why was it so confusing? Because use the word danger, dangerous. The danger is thinking that it had nothing to do with you. Yeah. And when you think that 
then you're just, you're going to repeat the patterns. You might find a different person. It might take a little longer for the other, you know, the honeymoon phase to, to fair, to uh, phase out, but you're going to repeat the same pattern. It's what we do. So I think that it's important to take some time, especially if you've had a particularly hard relationship in your last relationship, if it caused you a lot of pain, if it caused the other person a lot of pain, um, then it's a good idea to take some time of reflection and not just jump into something and repeat the same old patterns because you're just going to have the same pain. And yeah. Who wants that? Yeah, you're going to break the cycle. Yeah. Otherwise, it's painful. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. It definitely is. I love this quote from the article in the Mind Body Green that you said, which I'm going to quote now. The moment you take responsibility for the choices you've made in your love life is the moment you change the game. I love mm. that. So can yeah. you expand on this for everyone? Sure. Well, it's a little bit of what I was saying, which is it's um, very easy to look back at a, at a relationship and just say, you know, th- our dynamic didn't work or that person was not ready or that person cheated or that person did this or that person did that. And all those things may be true, but the reality is, is that you have to be able to look at yourself and be like, how did I contribute to this? Now, the danger in that is I don't want people going into some self-deprecating crazy spiral, but we have to be able to look at ourselves. Like what did, what were the warning signs I didn't look at, look at, you know, pay attention to how did I contribute? What was my, I don't know if I can curse, but what was my shit? Yeah. What was my shit? And the thing is, you can look at it in such a way that you can say, woe is me and go deeper into victim mode. Like, oh, it's all my fault. Or you can be like, you know what? Holy shit. Like I actually did that. That's something I need to look at. That's a wound that I need to heal. That's a trauma I need to heal. That's some crap I need to let go of. And that's really empowering. And that is a hundred percent when you change the game, when you can be able to, when you can say, you know, I, I chose that person. I chose that relationship. I chose to stay in it. Why? Mm. Um, take a look at that and then that find to be really empowering. And whenever you empower in yourself, empower yourself in any area of your life, particularly love and relationships, which is an area of life where we seem to go more deeply into victim mode faster than anything else. Interesting. That's very interesting. Uh, Why do you think we do that? Is it just because it's so tied up in the emotion that we go into victimhood with that? I mean, family can be such an area like that as well. I think, you know, because no other area do we feel more vulnerable than the area of intimate love. No other area do we um, kind of bear our souls. And then when someone rejects us, big or small, then it is like salt on top of wound. And so it's very, very easy to go into, I'm not enough and to question your worthiness and all of that. And I think that, you know, I hate it when people do this in dating, but I understand it more in relationships. You know, when we love someone, we trust them. And what I mean by that, we trust their opinions and we trust their mindset. And Mm. so when they have an opinion of us, that's less than we somehow give them the authority that, that they're all of a sudden the authority of who we are. And so our worthiness, our, our sense of self-worth goes down so quickly because we trust this person's point of view so much. So if they have a particular point of view of us, we must be that way. 
And so it's very easy to go into, oh my God, I'm not worthy. All of this, all this victim, or this happened to me, or he did this to me, or she did this to me. And uh, it's also because it's very hard to look at ourselves in the mirror, like really truthfully in a way that's not, again, not putting ourselves down, not going into victimhood. But that's what, that's the opportunity that relationship gives us. Mm. It gives us opportunity to really look at ourselves and to grow. I feel like that's so powerful what you just said then about trusting some that partner so much that you, that you have trust in their opinion about you than you do over yourself. Where do you think people can find the balance where maybe the partner's opinion can add to the self-awareness and looking in the sure. mirror but also be a balance of maybe going, you know what, that's actually a little bit of BS going on right there and I can yeah. see they're projecting. Like what? how can you tell the difference? That's probably the right question. The difference between projection from their pain yes. versus them actually giving you some really good constructive feedback of an area that you maybe need to grow on. It's a great question because it's not so, the answer is not so black and white. The practice of discernment, right. Of being able to say, wow, they're, they're bringing something up right now that I really need to look at or what they're bringing up right now. Like you said, is projection and bullshit. There's a couple of answers to that. One is I believe that the more that you know yourself and understand yourself, the healthier your relationships are going to be. And a, a measure for me of terms of a healthy relationship is being able to say, you know what, what you just mentioned right now, I'm going to pay attention to that. But then also be able to say, you know what, that, I'm sorry. I really took what you said under consideration. I just, I, I'm not, I'm sorry. I don't think that's me. I think that's mm. more you, you know, <laughs> not suggesting that that's how your communication style should be. But, but this goes back to when you're single, the golden opportunity is to get to understand yourself on a much, much deeper level to really, really understand yourself because we go into relationships, not knowing what it is. That's really important to us. We all do that on a fundamental level, because it's not, these are not questions that we ask ourselves often. So to just to circle back to the, you know, when do you know it's projection, the more, you know, yourself, the more you're able to say, you know what, you're, you're hitting on something that's painful, but I have to take a look at it. Um, or you can honestly say with confidence, no, that, that is not the truth. And I'm going to stand by that. Now, if you're someone who's giving harsh criticism to someone else or you're, you know, first thing I would say is if you care about someone, you never criticize them. You never, ever criticize you. Whenever you point out a pain point or something in someone you love, like something that's not working or something that they need to work on, it's very important that you handle that with extreme care that you say, that you always tell that person, I want you to know that I'm sharing this with you because I love you. And I'm sharing this with you because I know that, you know, this is something that you can do better on. And I want you also to know that even though this is something that I notice in you, I also recognize that it triggers me because of my own shit. And I also want you to know that I accept you a hundred percent, even with this. It's very hard to be able to know whether someone is projecting onto you or whether their opinion is true when you're being criticized, because you'll go into defensive mode, mm-hmm. you'll go into defensive mode. And I think that when you've been broken up with, it's that one of the, the struggles or one of the, the processes that you have to kind of go through is be like, okay, well, what part of what he or she said to me, 
um, do I really need to look at? And what part of it is just simply not true? And the fact that I thought it was true just because he said it or just because she said it is really the work that is really my work. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, why is it best that we don't worry about blaming and instead focus on the growth opportunity? And what does the blame game often look like? I'm sure we've all been in the blame game at one stage in our life, but just to break it down for people. Yeah. So, so blame gets you nowhere. I mean, there's really no other thing to say other than that. Blame literally gets you nowhere. There's a there's an old saying, and I don't even actually know where it came from, but every time you point your finger at someone, three fingers are pointing yes. right back to you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the problem with blame when you're in an argument, for example, is that all you do is set the person up for being defensive. Yeah. So it, so when I say it gets you nowhere, it literally gets you nowhere because there's nothing, there's no productive conversation that can come from that. Also, I really believe in accountability and I, you know, accountability has become sort of like a dirty kind of word that people don't really resonate with. I think it's empowering to be like, I own my crap. Mm. I own this. This is not you. This is me. This is my problem that I, that I need to work on or that I'm still working on. What, there was a second part of your question. I just wanted to um, Yeah. The question was, why do we need to focus on the growth opportunity instead of the blame? And what does the blame game often look like? So the blame game always looks like blame and, and someone defending themselves. And then the blame game always turns into a fight. Okay. Without question. There's just no other. That's the game. It's just a fight. I, I think that if you're going through a breakup, that it's normal to go through a phase where you're blaming the other person. And I don't necessarily think that's unhealthy because I think that we do that in order to help ourselves get over the person. Mm-hmm. So it's easier sometimes to be like, they're all bad. I, you know, I really don't think there's any harm in having a phase like that. <laughs> oh, I mean, there really isn't. We have, you know, sometimes we just need to move on, but if weeks go by, months go by, and everything is everyone else's fault, you are only going to repeat the same patterns because you haven't done anything to, to look at yourself, to take responsibility for yourself, to see what you added to that. Even if it's just like, wow, I'm really attracted to people who do this to me. Mm. I need to look at that. Or, wow, I can see how I didn't make this person feel as important as they needed to feel when they were around me are like, wow, I can see that I wasn't as present with this person as they deserved me to be. And these are important things to consider because when you go into your, I always say, you don't want to go into your next relationship as the same person as you were in your old relationship. You want to be like on almost a cellular level, like you're still you, but you're newer. (laughs) Yeah. Or more refined. How do you break the habit of blaming others instead of looking within and using pain and disappointment as a growth opportunity? Because I'm sure for a lot of people that's actually quite hard to make the switch and how do we consciously start doing that before it just becomes a natural habit? Um, are you talking about specifically after a breakup? 
Yeah, after a well, after a breakup or even in a relationship. So instead of being in blaming the other people, and I understand yeah. that we we agree that we you know you need some time to maybe blame and just get through the hurt. But once we <laughs> get through that, okay. yeah, yeah. But if uh, you're in a relationship, yeah. But you mean if you're in a relationship, how if do you break the cycle of yeah, blame? The blame? Yeah. So first, that's a good one because it's it's something that couples really struggle with. The first thing is to if so, if people are listening right now, <laughs> it's recognize that when you blame your partner, you are actually killing your relationship. You really are because blame does nothing for your relationship, but takes stuff away from it. It takes the good away from it because nothing productive, like I said, no productive conversation, no solution, no resolution can come it. So first you have to have the incentive to want to break the pattern. And the incentive is you will end up breaking up. If that's your pattern, if that's all you guys are doing, you will get to no resolution. Or if you stay together, you'll be miserable. So I just have to put it bluntly like that. The second thing is take responsibility, (laughs) take responsibility. Third, listen to your partner listen. Oftentimes when we're stuck in a pattern of blame, oftentimes we're talking more than we're listening. And I think it's a pretty general rule of thumb that it's better to listen more and talk less. (laughs) My ex always, one of the best pieces of advice he ever gave me, and I use it in work and everything. He said, you've got two of these and you point to his ears Uh and one of these and, you know, point to his mouth, use them in proportion. And I 100% agree. (laughs) Great advice. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. Use them in proportion. (laughs) So when we blame someone and we blame someone we love, I understand it's coming from a place of hurt and pain. So I get it. I don't think anyone blames anyone for anything if they're not hurting, um, unless they're blaming them for their happiness. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe that could be an aha moment of just even self-awareness. If you feel like if you just catch yourself blaming people or your partner over and over, that could just be an awareness of like, wow, I've got a lot of hurt because I'm doing a lot of blame at the moment. What's that hurt about? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's definitely hurt. There's pain. And there is probably sometimes so much pain that it's difficult to look inside, Mm. see your part. And usually when it's, we all have been there where it's really hard to take responsibility, but there's so much reward in it. There really is. And, And oftentimes when we're not taking responsibility, it's because, I don't know, we might feel that what the other person did was so unbelievably painful. And you know what? Look, there are times where our partners do really bad things to us. They do hurt us and they are to blame. But if you decide that you want to move forward in your relationship, if you decide that you want to heal the pain, then you have to go underneath the pain. Mm. You have to look at the hurt. You have to look at the wounds. You have to look into how you contributed You have to listen to your partner because punishing because blame is sort of a form of punishment. And whenever you punish someone you love, you're actually punishing yourself because you're blocking yourself from having any sort of resolution, whether that's a resolution with that person, or even if that's a resolution 
with you and your life and moving forward. And so normal doesn't make you a bad person, but it is something that you want to take a look at because it really, it's the road to nowhere ultimately. Mm. And I think a beautiful example of this as well can be, there can be two or three people in a room and someone, another party walks into the room and maybe says something some way and one person projects it as really rude and this and that. Another person sees no problem and another, like everyone reacts to the same situation in the same room completely differently and it's all because of maybe their different levels of their growth or they don't get affected by things or their perception and whatnot. So that's that's a nice example of where you can be in the relationship, I suppose, depending on what level that you're at. And with the growth, I, f- I feel I agree with you as well. It comes a lot of happiness and light as well, but it's a lot of hard work to begin with. And that's why we need people like yourself to help guide us yeah. and do it with, because I don't believe that you can do it by yourself at all. No, I don't believe it either. Actually, that's a very, it's actually a core belief of mine that nothing that we produce or create or commit ourselves to that's worthwhile can be done alone. Yeah. It's just a core, it's a core belief. So yeah, you definitely need help. And that's where the term growing pains comes from. Yeah. It's not always easy. (laughs) No, but I can, trust me, people, it's tough at the beginning, but then it's so beautiful and light and amazing once you get through. Like if if you're in that much pain, you probably haven't experienced the lightness and the, the, the beauty of it. And it's so worth it. Like it really is worth it. Yeah, 100%. So you say that there are three important personal growth steps before your next relationship. Let's discuss these and I'll just quickly list them and then you can tell us about them. But you say the first one is to define what's important to you. The second one is know what inspires you. And lastly, contribute. Why are these three steps important for personal growth? Yeah. So I, you know, just to give you the, you and your listeners a little story. So I went through a really hard divorce about three years ago. And at the same time, my mom was dying of lung cancer and let me tell you the, I mean, he broke up with me over the phone. I mean, it was oh. horrendous. Yeah. And I don't, and I say that, but not scornfully because there's, I've grown so much. I understand yeah. so much more perspective, but so if there are people listening right now who are in pain and all that, like I get it. And I say that I get it because what I share, these three steps are not based on like research that I've done, even though I have done a ton of research there, it's not based on any specific data, even though I have record of all the data, this is like tried and true. What I did, what I have been doing for the last three years that I know without a shadow of a doubt works, even though I had thought that I had a pretty strong sense of self. I realized that because the the marriage was very painful and then the divorce was really painful and just the months leading after that were so intense. And I realized that I didn't really know myself in the way that I that that I needed to because I just wasn't accustomed to be to asking myself these questions like what's really important to me? Like what's what's not surface important to me even though I think it's good to know, but like what's deeply important to me? Like how, like, and am I living my life in alignment with what's really important to me? And not only that is what's deeply important to me. Does it need an upgrade? Mm. Right? So for example, if I'm living my life with security and certainty, 
being deeply important to me. Like, I think that that's, I think security and, and, and certainty is very, very important. But is it more important to me, for example, than adventure or joy or spontaneity? And if it is, how is that actually impacting my life? So it's about defining what's really important to you, what gives you feelings of love and joy and adventure and loyal, what all the things are, list all your values and A, figure out, are you living your your life in alignment with that? And B, are these the values that you want to continue to live by? Because by the way, you can change your values. You can decide, you know what, this is really important to me, but for six months, I'm going to take what what else is also really important to me. And I'm going to focus on that value for six months because at the end of that six months, it's going to enhance and magnify what it is that I want to develop in life. Like if I want more joy, then I have to focus on other things and not just security mm-hmm. because security is, is very, gives you a tremendous amount of comfort which I'm a huge advocate for, but it doesn't give you a tremendous amount of joy. So you, this is about really figuring out what's deeply important to you because when it comes to, these are important conversations to have with your spouse, with your lover. If you're single, let me tell you something. You don't have to date someone who's exactly aligned with you, but you. But if you date someone who's misaligned with you, who's out of alignment with you, it may be great for a few months on a sexual level, but it's not going to last long term. And you can even date someone who's your opposite. But as long as like at a core level, it's that you're in alignment. I, you know, as someone who's been teaching yoga for 18 years, like 15 years, I have to say like, you know, there is a continuity and a freedom and a beauty that comes with alignment and not everything has to be perfectly aligned all the time, but you have to start to find that. And I really suggest people write it down, like go and take you some, like write down 10 things that are really important to you. And then the next step is to do this, associate an emotion with it. So someone will write down family, but really what they're valuing is the love. Someone might, might write down travel, but really the emotion is a feeling of freedom or a feeling of adventure or a feeling of like learning new things. So start to get in touch with not the, not only the things that you value, but how they make you feel so that you can get more clear about the feelings you want to have on a more consistent basis. I love that. And my coach and I, what we've worked on instead of, um, you know, everyone does, you know, new year goals and they'll often focus on things. What we've switched on is a combination of that, but also how do you want to be the feeling which is the same of that. And then how are you creating the life to be feeling more joy and adventure and freedom and things like that? And that's where the action items come out of it. So it's very important. I agree. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Let life and your experiences in life stretch you. Think that that's really like, I just feel like, and the need to say this is that someone is like, oh God, I really have to work on myself. Like that can be very daunting. And that can actually stop people from doing the work when they're like, when they feel overwhelmed Mm. by how much there is to do. Maybe there's nothing to actually do, but just allow your experiences to stretch you, to start stretching your perspectives, to start stretching your perceptions of life, to question your beliefs, 
And, and maybe that's the phase that you're at. You know, maybe it's not reading every single self-help book. You know, maybe it's not like, maybe it is hiring a coach or hiring a therapist, but just little things like that. Mm. Because that leads me to number two, like know what inspires you. Simply put, what lights you up? You got to know what lights you up. It could like for some people, it's a really great book. For some people, it's working out. For some, it's everything. For some, it's like, you know, what really lights me up is like being thrown into a new situation and not knowing my way and getting lost. Like there are some people who love that. <laughs> Other people it's like, no, no, no. What lights me up is like listening to music. Get back in touch with that because single, dating, married, whatever it is you are, like stress is an epidemic and it is our duty as human beings to know what lights us up and do it every single day. You may not be able to do everything that's on your list that lights you up, but do choose one and do everything because you, because part of, especially if you're like single and looking for a partner, you want your energy to be up. And you want to be attracted to someone whose energy is up. How do you get your energy up? Well, you do things that light you up. <laughs> yeah. You move your body, you read books, you listen to podcasts. So taking care of your own emotional fitness is so important, no matter what your relationship status is. In fact, it's critical. So growth can be literally just tending to your emotional fitness and, and doing things that make you happy as long as it's not hurting anyone else and as long as it's not hurting you. And so then it doesn't have to look like, Oh God, here's all this work I have to do on myself, which usually just keeps people stuck because it's too daunting. Yeah. Emotional fitness. I love that. I haven't heard that, but I really love that. Yeah. And to, yeah. to see it that way. And, and it is a continual thing, you know, it doesn't, it's not like a time period and, and instead of, uh, <laughs> yeah, forever, instead yeah. of looking at it, like maybe years ahead or things, there's a saying that, you know, when you're driving your car at nighttime and you've got your headlights on, you can only look at the part where the lights are. And if you try to look too far, too far out into the dark, you could miss the deer or in Australia, a kangaroo coming yes, in the way yes. and like taking you off totally. course. So we need to keep looking in the light part. For me, I put a six month time frame on that. So just look six months ahead and sort of see what's happening in here and not look too far beyond because it can get too overwhelming, too stressful, and things can change as well. So we can stress over nothing. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that there's that a healthy, you know, my thing that I live by or my philosophy is you stay in the present, yeah. but you visit the past and the future. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. You know, because the past is where we learn and the future is you have to look into the future because I think having a vision. Yeah for your future is very important. I think having something to look forward to is very important for human beings. I think it actually helps depression be able to look into the future, but where you live, your home has to be the present and then mm. you visit the past in the future. That's beautiful. You're saying so many beautiful things are like tweetable <laughs> moments. <laughs> <laughs> you say timing is everything. Can you expand what you mean by this? Yeah so funny. I used to not believe it, but I do believe, you know, you might meet someone. So I'll take it within the context of love and relationships. You might meet someone who's like wonderful, but they're not ready for you. 
you know, for a number of reasons, just where they are in their life. They're just not ready. And so being ready, I mean, who, I mean, it's a hard one because we're never, you know, on the one hand, I really believe that if you wait until you're ready, you'll get nothing done. Yes. (laughs) Right. But you might meet someone who just hasn't done the work or you haven't done the work yet. And they're, or they're in a time in their life where they just want to travel the world. And you're in a time in your life where you want to nest and have children. You know, those are real issues. Those are real concerns a person should have before they pursue a relationship with someone like that, because it comes back to the alignment thing. Like you don't have to be exactly the same at all, but you have to have like similar, like wants and needs and where you see your life going for it to last long-term. So in that way, that's, that's where timing is everything. Yeah. And it's maybe also having a trust that everything happens when it's supposed to happen with the person it's supposed to. Thanks for adding that a hundred percent, you know, faith is a big one and I'm not even talking about religious faith. You know, we have, we have enough faith that we can walk outside and cross the street and not get killed. We don't know that. We don't know, nothing's guaranteed, but we have enough faith in our ability and in life and in our wherewithal to look both ways before we cross the street. So patience is one of the most important things when it comes to your business, when it comes to love, when it comes to finding the right person, you you can't control. I mean, you can, you can work really hard and make things go a little bit faster and you can also make things go a little bit slower, but ultimately you can't control when someone's going to step into your life. Mm. And so you just have to have a little bit of faith and trust in the timing of things. A lot of suffering comes from fighting timing. Yeah. (laughs) When we try to fight time, there's a lot of pain, a lot of pain. And yet I do find it's the one thing that most people try to fight the most. (laughs) It's time. Yeah. Yeah. What are the signs that someone's developed a healthy sense of self-love and they're genuinely ready for the next relationship? You think they can go, yeah, we're not not perfect because we're saying nothing's perfect, but it's a healthy time now. Yeah. You know, it's hard to, to put that into words because I think it's more of a feeling. First, I just want to demystify the, the, um, the myth that you have to be in love with yourself before you can actually love someone else. I think that if you're in a state where you're feeling very self-loathing, I would say it's very safe to say that you should not get into a relationship because not only is someone going to treat you not so well because you're self-loathing, but more importantly, when you are hypercritical and hating on yourself, you're going to get bored and you're going to turn on your partner. And you're going to start hating and criticizing on them because people who are the hardest on themselves are often very hard on others. So you have to be able to say, you know, I'm hard on myself, but I've really eased up. You know, I'm trying, you know, right, like right now, not right this moment, but in this kind of era of my life, I have made it so that I am trying to be as cognizant of my negative self-talk as I possibly can and to intercept it as quickly as I can. And I literally do it. I'm like, ah, there that goes. And I push it away and just starting to like, even if it's just like, all right, Jillian, I'm just going to give you a break because that's very, very important. Another part of self-love, which I think that people don't realize is that 
Self-love does not mean loving all the parts of yourself. Self-love is being able to look in the mirror and say, wow, I've got some major shortcomings. I am okay with them. I am on the road to becoming okay with them. I'm on the road of deciding not to lie about them anymore or compensate for them anymore, even though you will once in a while, but you're really diminishing that. I think that ultimately is when you can say, you know what, because we all have, so we all have many shortcomings, but I really believe that we all have at least one that's really our Achilles heel. That's really the one where we're just like, "Mm," like, I don't know, like, will he or she love me for that? Or like, am I good enough? You know, there's just like this one, at least one that like feel that we have shame over and that we do the work. We hire our coaches, we do self-work and, and we make progress with it, but not as much as we would like. And it's, and it's like, it's our deepest wound and it's our deepest trauma that lives with inside of us. And I think that when you can begin the process, because I don't think it's one day you just do it. I think it's a process. I think it's something that you choose every day. I don't think you just, you know, are over it and then that's it. But when you can begin the process of choosing every day to be like, you know what, this sucks. I have insecurity around this, but it is who I am. You know, it's not really like I'm going to work on him and do my best not to project this onto someone else, but I am not less of a human being because I have this. I am just profoundly human because I do have it. And I think that when you can start to get better at expressing that to yourself and vulnerably expressing that to someone who you allow into your life, then I think, you know, I can't say then you're ready for a relationship, but I do believe that that's the journey of self-love. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. I feel like you've given us so much to think about beautiful advice and wisdom as well. And I really hope it helps everyone out there today listening to this. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. It's great. I really appreciate it. And Jillian's based in New York. So if anyone's in New York, you can find her there. Otherwise, I imagine with the beauty of technology these days, you don't need to be in New York. You're probably happy to do Skype or Zoom sessions or anything like that as well (laughs) with anyone around the world. If people people like to read, so what I do is that I I have a newsletter and I send out blogs very specific for my subscribers every week, all on this topic. And if people want to get stuff sent to their newsletter, I'm sent to their inbox and they should just subscribe to my newsletter through my site, jillianturecki.com. And also I have a lot of things in the works and everything that I sort of offer to people, I offer to my subscribers first. So Oh, beautiful. Great. So make sure you subscribe. I've subscribed and I'll also put the website in the show notes as well so you can find it easily. But thank you so much and have a lovely afternoon. Thank you. Talk soon. All right. Bye. You have just listened to Our Deepest Secrets Revealed podcast with Sarah Finlay. Don't forget to subscribe to be alerted to our next episode. Connect with us via Twitter. And if you have any questions, please email my question at ourdeepestsecretsrevealed.com. Help us get the word out there and email a friend or two today about this episode. You can go over to iTunes and share the episode directly to a friend via a tweet, Facebook Messenger share, or post it to your profile. Otherwise, you can copy the link and email it. Thank you so much for sharing. Until next time, keep shining.
enjoyed this episode of our deepest secrets reveal head over to itunes to subscribe rate and leave a review it's like leaving a tip and really appreciate it thank you